We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Yusad Koshal, as we record here on a Wednesday, October 11th. We took a, a week off last week because it was a shortened week uh, with the Thursday night game, but a lot to talk about in today's podcast. The Bears officially getting in the win column on the season with their recent victory over the Washington Commanders. You said um, a lot of exciting stuff to really dig into here today. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. You're right. There is so much exciting stuff to go ahead and talk about. You know, you sit here in mid-October, essentially, and you kind of begin to ask yourself, like, where has the time flown, number one? But then also, number two, just based on the things that have transpired over the last basically 10 to 11 days for the Bears, especially with the two games in the four-day span against Denver and Washington, the way that Justin Fields has played, the way that DJ Moore has played, it just really leaves you thinking and wondering where the hell was this the first three weeks of the season? Because that's quite frankly the biggest question that I have right now for every single person that's got a key card to the front door at Hallis Hall. It's amazing how one win can really really cure all the uh, all really cure all basically the conversation like you said like two weeks ago the conversation was you know the, the sky is falling everything um, is going bad at Hallis Hall when is everyone going to get fired you know that was that was the talk going into the, the Washington game was that if if Eberflus lose uh, if Bears lose does Eberflus or Getzi or somebody lose their job in that scenario and, it, and it's wild to see the the 180 that's kind of taking place on on Bears Twitter uh, just with one win and. Uh, it, you know, it really isn't just the one win, you know, because we do have a trend here going on where Justin Fields in the offense has definitely played better, like much better um, over the last weeks, like almost unrecognizable 
if you look at this offense and Justin Fields the way he has played um, compared to the first weeks of the season to the last two weeks of the season, um, really just different different guy, <laughs> different offense. I mean, their offense has gone way up. The production's way up. They're um, more explosive in the passing game. The run game has gotten going a little bit more um, as they've gotten a little bit healthier on the offensive line. Like everything seems to be clicking a little bit. Now, you know, do, is this going to be something that is sustainable or not? I think only time will tell, but the offense was really, really good. Like back to back, really strong performances. And Justin Fields, man, I tell you what, the, the Broncos game, which I was, I think we, we were both at the Broncos game. Um, by far, that was probably the best performance Justin Fields has played outside of a couple of mistakes in the fourth quarter, which uh, we don't have to spend too much time on because it's old news at this point. But overall, like the, the offense has looked remarkably better over the last two weeks. And again, you so the question of where the hell was this the first three weeks of the season is certainly fair. And that is specifically because if we're going to be honest, I mean, looking at the way that Jordan Love has played the last two weeks, it should make and I've tweeted this on multiple occasions now, by the way. But I've said I'm like considering the way that Jordan Love's played the last few weeks, it should make, you know, Bears fans and quite frankly it pisses us off as reporters too in terms of how they suddenly made Jordan Love look like this really good starting caliber quarterback. But anyways, we'll get to Jordan Love at another time when we have a Packers friend of ours on the show. Now looking at this offense, right, it's certainly gotten better. And why is that? Because they're finally going ahead and what they are doing is calling an offense, number one, to the quarterback strengths. But number two, they are finally saying, hey, hashtag feed DJ Moore. You look at Justin's three-touchdown game against Washington, it was very clear that – or I'm sorry, the four-touchdown game, but three of them were to DJ Moore. It was very clear that he all of a sudden has this confidence back that was there last year, was there the year before. He has the confidence back in the sense that – him and DJ Moore are suddenly beginning to connect on a lot of the highlight reel throws that had fans buzzing in training camp. And then you just factor in the game has slowed down for him to a point where he is more comfortable, right, in terms of saying, hey, I can get out of the pocket, I can take off, I can scramble, I can even just kind of sit back here and wait for my guy to get open. You look at the Bears, and in terms of this offense, explosive plays down the field, I mean, right now they're ranked sixth overall in plays that average, you know, 20 or more yards down the field, and that's run plays, and a major chunk of that is pass plays. But what the Bears are doing is they're sending us a message. They're saying a few things here. Number one, for all the pundits out there on Twitter, the Bears are telling us, hold off on the Caleb Williams, Drake, my hype. Number two, we are not playing for the first overall pick. And the biggest one of all, number three, is, hey, listen, we finally have an offense and we have a formula with this coaching staff that's going to make it work with Justin Fields. So there's a chance in a few weeks here we could start shifting the conversation to – not who should be Justin Fields' replacement, but all of a sudden we could start talking about what can the Bears do in 24 to continue to build around Justin Fields because, again, this offense is clicking right now. And quite frankly, like looking at the state of this offense, it is not, you know, 
one of the top units in the league yet. It is not the most explosive yet. They still lack some consistency in that big play element, especially because they do need some more explosiveness in the running game. But quite frankly, if we're going to be honest, like if this defense was even half as better as it currently is, even just, you know, 20 or 30% better, you would hear the narrative start to shift to can the Bears be a sneaky team in the playoffs and possibly a dark horse for a Super Bowl contender if the defense was a bit better with the way the offense is playing right now. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's really interesting. You know, obviously they've dug themselves this own four hole and, you know, it was, a lot of that was because of the offense. It really took them – I don't know if it just took them some time or if they were just playing some good defenses. I mean, certainly – Justin Fields was not playing well and Getze was not calling good game plans. I, but I also wonder if, you know, Chase Claypool almost played a, a factor in this as well because, you know, the the one common denominator in all this was that Chase Claypool was here the first three weeks and this offense really couldn't do anything. But since he's been out of, the, you know, off the team basically, um, you know, this offense has really started to get going. So I wonder if there's almost a, an addition by subtraction effect with Chase Claypool um, not being on the team anymore, you know, whether it's just being a distraction in the locker room or maybe this offense and coaching staff trying to, you know, get him, him involved. And, you know, he's just with, with the lack of blocking, the lack of effort, the lack of consistency as a route runner and receiver, that that just wasn't going to be something that was going to be viable for this team moving forward. And they just, now that he's off the team, they've kind of scrapped that and they've kind of gone to something completely different. I wonder if that's, you know, playing a part in this, you know, to have some context here, uh, for instance, over the first three weeks, the Bears, you, you look at their play action rates, they were in like the 20th percents in each of those first three games. They really weren't leaning into their play action passing game that much those first three weeks. They're really relying on the drop pack passing game. Over the last two weeks, they've been over 40% in both games. So they're really re- leaning into the play action pass game, you know, more bootlegs, more. Um, getting Justin Fields on the move, moving pockets, um, simplifying the reads a little bit for him so that he really only has one or two reads to make um, before making the decision to check it down or scramble for yards um, You know, while the defense is scrambling there. So I wonder if that plays a part of it. They've also gone to more 12 personnel in the, over these last two games. So clearly replacing Chase Claypool as that third wide receiver to get another tight end, usually Robert Tunyon, on the field as well um, to – you know, play more of that jumbo, you know, not jumbo, but uh, bigger personnel, which I think kind of simplifies uh, the reads for Justin Fields a little bit. It simplifies the coverage a little bit because now you're asking defenses to have to respect the run game when you bring in bigger personnel like that. And that opens up that play action passing game uh, to where you have guys running wide open. That was the case in, with the Washington Commanders game and the Broncos game. There were guys running op- wide open, you know, all throughout those games. But like you said, consistency is still a bit of an issue with this offense. Like you saw it in the second half of that Broncos game, especially late, uh, where you know they went away from the passing game a little bit and things just kind of this to uh, fall off for them, and especially in the Commanders game. The second half, outside of that, bi- a couple of big plays, uh, DJ Moore, like the offense really couldn't get anything going during the second half. So, you know, making those halftime adjustments, you know, is still an issue I think for this coaching staff as they're trying to piece this together here, but the offense, look, man, like like it all starts with DJ Moore. I think, you know, for him to have 230 receiving yards out of the 280 passing yards, 
that Justin Fields threw on Thursday night against Washington. I mean, it was an incredible performance from DJ Moore. It's, it's, I don't know, the best wide receiver performance we've seen since like Brandon Marshall in his time here with the Bears. Um, it was definitely up there, if not better, than what Brandon Marshall put on there as you know the best wide receiver in Chicago of my lifetime um, as a fan of this team. So, like, it, it was just insane. The ability for him to get yards after the catch, the route running ability, the contested catch ability. Like, he's he's proving to be the full the full package here. And it's insane that, you know, D.J. Moore, he is, like, off the charts right now in terms of efficiency right now. And so you can see it where Justin Fields, like you said, he's getting more comfortable. He's more confident in what he's seeing. And what he's seeing is that this guy, D.J. Moore, is open on practically every single play, it seems like, in the passing game. I'm just going to throw it to him, and we're just going to let the chips fall where they may. And it's really working out for not only DJ Moore, but for Justin as well, because his development has looked a lot better over these last two, like significantly. He looks like a completely different quarterback. Like the, the guy that we saw the first week of the season is not there over these last two weeks. So I don't know if that's just, you know, a blip, whether that's going to be something that um, is going to show for the rest of the year, or if this is a case where, look, I mean, we have to say it like, the Broncos and the commanders, these aren't exactly world beaters of defenses here, right? These are both bottom five defenses in terms of, I think, DVOA and EPA per play. Um, you know, even though the commanders do have a good pass rush, their secondary and back seven in general has just been, you know, just a disaster the entire opening you know month of the season. Like there's a reason that group has given up four straight 30 point games. That defense is not a very good unit. And the Broncos are his. We know this. They're they're historically bad. You know they're the only defense that's worse than the Bears right now um, on that side of the ball. So there is some part of it where I do question whether this is sustainable or not, um, as the Bears will start to face better defenses as the months go on here. But overall, like like you said, I mean, if this continues like it's going, it's definitely going to change some of the conversations around here. Because I mean, I don't know about you. You said I'm still in the camp of you know, the Bears have the number one overall pick, whether it's their pick or Carolina's that you probably go with Caleb Williams in that situation. But if Justin Fields can continue to produce like this, um, that could change pretty quickly here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're right. It certainly could change really quickly here. And again, it's the NFL, so it's really a 
day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month type league because ultimately whatever needs this team has right now sitting here in mid-October are likely not going to be the needs and the roster holes that have to be filled throughout the 24 offseason. But to me, the debate is so polarizing, and here's why. So if you go to the Bay Report website, I actually wrote an entire article on this where I'm like, let's talk about Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, and then the Bears' two first-round picks. To me, there is absolutely not an issue at all with having two high picks and having a chance at A, keeping Justin Fields on your roster, or B, having a shot at selecting the best quarterback in the draft since Andrew Luck. And the reason with that is very simple, because for the first time in forever, right, it's actually the Bears have a really good problem on their hands. Because if you don't go the Caleb Williams route, that means that Justin Fields has proven more than enough that he's the guy. It means that this current coaching staff and Eberflus, Luke Getze, and all of them, they are certainly coming back for 2024 going into year three because, again, for all the people who want this coaching staff fired, like, that's fine. But let's be honest about something. I mean, this is a franchise that is so used to mediocrity, especially on the offensive side of the ball, that the moment they figure out a formula to make it work on offense, you can bet they're not going to fire those guys, okay? And then what's also going to happen is this, right? The other half of the really good issue is that you have a scenario where there's a really deep draft class coming up. Everything from an offensive tackle in Olu Fashanu to wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. all the way to... Brock Bowers, a tight end from Georgia, to Jared Vares from Florida State, the pass rusher, as well as the pass rusher Dallas Turner, Chop Robinson from Penn State. You know, there's an opportunity to add multiple day one starters, or you could simply take that pick, right, the higher of the two, and then trade down because some team is going to want to trade up. Because right now you're talking Williams and Mai, but also that pool could expand to Quinn Ewers. You've got Shadur Sanders as well. And so the reality is this, right, is that it's like, for the Bears, you know, they are in a really good situation right now. Record-wise, it may not show, but for the future, you know, they're in probably one of the best situations around the league. You couple that with having the most cap space in the league. And then one final note I'm going to make here um, related to the coaching staff. It, quite frankly, is counterproductive to roster building, and it's counterproductive to longevity in terms of if you have a staff, which some fans may not like, that figures out a way to unlock the quarterback and now you have a successful offense, like why in the world would you want to fire that offensive or the defensive staff, the coaching staff in general, and say, hey, let's bring a new guy in and give Justin Fields, you know, his third offensive coordinator and third head coach, you know, within a four-year span. Because that's ultimately how quarterbacks get ruined when there's no continuity at all. Well, that's what is kind of the interesting discussion here because it almost seems like Fields and this coaching staff is kind of a package deal. So either Justin Fields continues to make progress and this offense continues to put up points and this coaching staff is going to stay regardless, you know, I'm assuming they would win a few more games in that scenario or this thing stagnates again and we're looking at this coaching staff, you know, on the way out. And if this coaching staff is on the way out, you cannot build around Justin Fields if you have the chance to draft a Caleb Williams or Drake May. 
because ultimately, I mean, the way you have to, the way at least that I'm kind of processing this or justifying this is that by the end of the year, you need to know or need to make this answer with 100% confidence. Am I willing to commit to Justin Fields a long-term $50 million per year deal, right? That's what you have to figure out by the end of this year, right? And regardless of, you know, the coaching staff and, you know, the players around him, is Justin Fields a guy that is worth giving the big second contract to? And look, you may say that's unfair to say with Justin Fields going into his third year, you know, the fact that the first few years he's been in a really rough situation this is the first year he has, you know, viable receiving talent and a viable offensive line talent to kind of work with for the first time. I get all that, but look, when you have the position, when you're in the position of having a really high pick to potentially draft, you know, the best, you know, quarterback prospects since I, who you name, you name it, Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning or whatever, whoever quarterback prospect you want to compare him to. Like the standards got to be really high there, in my opinion. So either Justin Fields, he's a guy that is a top 10 quarterback in the league that you're willing to pay that second contract to at the end of this year, or you seriously need to consider making changes here, in my opinion. And that especially is the case if we see, you know, this coaching staff continue to make the blunders that they have. And look, we can say that, look, they've adjusted very well. This offense is humming right now. Um, you know, they've seemed to unlock something here. But we saw them unlock something with this offense last year for a, you know a few weeks, and then it kind of fell, you know, back to earth a little bit by the end of the season to where they weren't, you know, putting up the same production anymore. So again, it goes back to the sustainability thing. Like, can this be something that they can do for the rest of the season, or is this something to where yeah, it's going to work for a few weeks, and then defenses will adjust, and we're going to see this thing kind of fall on its face again? And that's something that's going to we're going to have to find out in due time, right? That's not something that we can really determine right away here. But I will say this, like it, it's a results-based, you know, league. It's a result-based, you know, position that these guys are in. If they're not winning games this year, like this was a team, regardless of Justin Fields and, and the offense and all that stuff, this is this was expected to be a much bigger step forward in terms of wins and losses and being a much more competitive team in terms of um, not just beating the bad teams, which they did in this past game, and they were competitive against the Broncos, but being competitive against the good teams and the NFL. We can't pretend as if the first three weeks of this season, really the first four weeks of this season, uh, from a team standpoint, didn't happen, right? And and again, this is what I was, this is what I said earlier in the podcast, where you know that one win really cures all in terms of the the feelings as a fan base and whatnot. Because, look, we could be in a situation next week where if they lose to the Vikings and this looks bad again, that we're all on the board for taking for Caleb Williams once again, right? It's just it's one of those things where it's going to be week to week, I feel like, throughout this season, depending on whether this team wins or loses or and how just feels in the offense looks. So it, it's just, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where it's we're going to have to give this time. Um, you know, overall, I'll say that I am, I'm certainly hoping that, like you said, like this is a – a good position for the bears to be in because look, if Justin Fields is ultimately the guy, like now you're in a position, like you said, where you can trade down and get a lot of picks. If he isn't, then you're in an optimal position to replace him, right? With a new staff, you know, I don't know if you get a new GM with, you know, Ryan Poles would probably still say to be the GM, but a new staff and, you know, someone new to kind of bring in there. So 
either way, I think there are a lot of good possibilities for the Bears are at. They're in a good spot long term, I think, in terms of the overall directions that they can go into, the multiple directions they can go into. The roster is looking a little bit better than it was, um, you know, than it was like maybe two years ago long term. But with that said, we're still a long way away, I think, from making changes. And that's kind of gives us to the next topic that we wanted to cover here, where you know, the Bears, like we said, despite coming off the win, they're still one and four. And right now, with the Carolina Panthers being on five, they're projected to be to have the first two picks in the upcoming NFL draft for here. And, you know, this is going to be something that is subject to, to change. Certainly, if the Bears continue to keep on winning like they did last week, that this is going to change. But, you know, it really changes the dimension of this team when you look at having the first two picks in the draft. So looking at this thing, like way out ahead, you said, what what kind of impact do you think having those first two picks would mean, not only for this organization, but uh, just for the draft and how that kind of impacts everything um, with that scenario? It's going to be a major impact, and here's why. Because you're picking at one and two, and again, picking at one and two doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to go ahead and select a quarterback. Again, it's all contingent on what number one does this year a.k.a. Justin Fields, but ultimately the big thing to keep in mind with how this scenario plays out is this, is that you are going to have a team, just like it's every year, because it's been a trend over the last decade now, you have teams that want to ultimately move up, and so what that means is you are likely, depending on who's on the phone, going to be trading that first overall pick away for a nice, handsome return which again is likely going to include 25 and 26 draft capital but then what you can also do is this is you could decide to stay put and say hey look you know we're not going to take any of the quarterbacks and what we're going to do is select you know Olufashanu and Marvin Harrison Jr. or a combination of you know Bowers, Marvin Harrison Jr., Olufashanu, Joe Alt. Jared Vares, Dallas Turner, Chop Robinson, right? Some a combination of some of the top players. But to me, the real question comes in is this, okay? Is that you have more flexibility with the two ones this year than you did with only having the first overall pick last year. And so what that means is this, is that you could trade one but not the other, or you could possibly orchestrate a trade down for both. Because, again, if you're picking at one, two, what that means is there's going to be quarterbacks taken first and second overall, and there's going to be teams that are willing to move up. Because honestly, you know, you look at what people around the league are saying about Caleb Williams, and they pretty much, first things first, I think the comparisons to Patrick Mahomes are slightly overblown. But also people do say, hey, he's a natural athlete. He's a fluid mover. He can make any sort of throw. He has this natural feel for the game. And you look at Drake Maie, a bigger quarterback, about 6'4", 6'5". A lot of people look at him and say, yeah, he's got all the tools, traits, the tangibles, the attributes needed to go ahead and succeed at the next level. He's got a great arm. He can make a lot of those plays off script. He reads defenses really well. And so – there's instances where both of these guys have their pluses and minuses and some team is going to take a chance on them and the bears are going to be the biggest beneficiaries of that. Now, again, the question just comes in is like how flexible you can be is dictated by what your needs are going to be next off season. But again, they're the bears are set up really well to be able to add, you know, young talent. Vacation. 
starts with VA. Whether you're feeling beachy, mountainy, or every E in between, you'll find all that you love all in one trip to Virginia. Start yours at virginia.org. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it wouldn't be ideal for this year because if you have the first two picks, that means you definitely, this whatever you have going on right now with this team, uh, offensively and, and what they've been able to put together, that means it probably wouldn't sustain for the rest of the season. Um, but long-term, you're right. Like the, having the first two picks in the draft would be huge for the future of this team. And by that, by that point, you're definitely looking at a new coaching staff here um, who's going to have really all the resources necessary to really build this team up in their image, right? They'd have all the cap space that the Bears have available to them. I think they have like $80 million in effective cap space for next year. Um, which is an insane amount given how much they had uh, this past year, plus those draft picks. Um, and I'm just going to say this like right off the bat here. like If they had the first two picks in the draft, they're not keeping Justin Fields. Like We can throw that idea out the window here, right? Um, because that would mean that, again, you're one of the two worst teams in all football once again. Like You can't keep the quarterback after that with a new staff going in. So, right? so you're looking at Caleb Williams or Drake May, being the guy at number one, probably Caleb Williams, but I guess it would depend on the coach. Where it would be interesting then is that that number two overall pick, what do you do, right? And you kind of pointed out all the talent that they're as they're at the top of the draft, like Marvin Harrison Jr., Olu Fashano, Joe Alt, you know, even pass rushers like Jared Verse and Dallas Turner, um, Chop Robinson, who's another explosive pass rusher. We talked about Brock Bowers. Like there is so much blue chip talent at the top of this draft that, it really makes things exciting for a team that like the bears that does have a lot of holes in this roster still, you know, they are in a better spot. Like they could use another wide receiver next to DJ Moore. We saw in that commander's game that DJ Moore was really the only guy that could, re- they could really rely on in the passing game. Um, Cause Darnell Mooney, you know, he's had a lot of good production in the past, but that connection is, is just hasn't been, as consistent this year as it has been in years past with him and Justin. We knew we know about the Claypool situation, how that worked out for the team. Like Cole Komet, I know he's been productive this year, but I mean Cole Komet is what he is um, as, as a receiver. And it's like he's not a bad player, but he's just like he's not necessarily a dis- difference maker as a passing threat. Um, like they still could use another receiver here. Offensive line, like I'll be honest, I think Braxton Jones has done a really nice job when he's been on the field. Like I, I, I'm pretty confident that he can be a really solid starter at that left tackle spot. You have Darnell Wright at right tackle. So, I mean, I get the allure of a guy like uh, Olu Fashane or Joe Alt. I really do. Like Those guys are really, really special prospects. Um, they would have been the best tackle in last year's draft class with you know Paris Johnson and Darnell Wright. Like, even higher than those guys, probably. Um, but I don't know. Like tackle, it's, it doesn't seem as big of a need, but defensive line is definitely you're looking at the position where if you're drafting this by need as of right now, um, without the benefit of having free agency um, to add talent, like you would definitely be targeting one of these top pass rushers, especially off the edge where they just have no long term answer on this roster right now. So you would be looking at a Jared Verse, you would be looking at a Chop Robinson, like some of the guys that I mentioned earlier that are going to be available at the top of this draft. So that gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of trading down, I think. And there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to be looking for one of these top two quarterbacks because Caleb Williams, we all know, he, he's going to be a, considered a generational prospect probably. Not generational, but the best since Trevor Lawrence, the best since Andrew Luck, you know, those types of comparisons. 
but Drake May isn't too far behind as a prospect. In most other draft classes, Drake May would be the top prospect. Like he's almost like a cloned image of Justin Herbert um, coming out of Oregon. Maybe a little bit more um, polished as a as a prospect than Justin Herbert coming out of Oregon. But you watch the way they throw the ball and the way they play the position in the pocket. It is eerily similar. You know, Drake May has just been in a situation where he's been able to throw the ball down the field a little bit more than Justin Herbert. So it's one of those things where the NFL is going to be really vying for these guys. And you look at some of the teams that are going to be looking for quarterbacks next year, probably you would imagine that the Raiders like Jimmy Garoppolo is not the answer there. They're going to be looking to trade up the Vikings, the last year, Kirk cousins on his contract. You'd assume that the Vikings, you know, are going to be in the position where they really want to trade up for one of these guys, you know, whether the bears are going to be willing to trade within the division to make that work and give them a quarterback. I don't know, but the Vikings are certainly an option that can drive up the price. I'm pretty sure. And hey, if they wanted to give us a Justin Jefferson or maybe like who's going into a contract year, I wouldn't be opposed to that too. I guess if they want to make that trade. Um, but I mean, who, who else is going to be at the top of this draft? Like the Patriots are definitely going to be looking for a quarterback. The Giants, like the Daniel Jones thing, just isn't working. And I don't know how long you know, they have until they want to pull the plug there. You know, maybe the Broncos, the Broncos could be a situation with, with Russell Wilson. Like it's not really looking very good there. Like Russell Wilson hasn't been bad or anything this year, but you know, that could be a situation where they want to secure the long-term franchise quarterback with Sean Payton. Um, yeah, there are, there are a lot of teams that are going to be looking to get one of these two quarterbacks there. So um, regardless of, you know, what the needs are at that point, like you're in a position where you can pretty much make any trade down and you set the price at three first round picks, maybe a player to throw in there as well. And, or if not a player, then a couple day two picks and the highest bidder gets the pick basically. And you've set yourself up for, you know, success, long-term success beyond imagine right there with a ton of really great draft capital there. Part of me still thinks that, you know, you want to be in position to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Because I just think, you know, whether it's Justin, Justin at quarterback or Caleb Williams at quarterback, like pairing a young quarterback with DJ Moore and Marvin Harrison as your number one and two wide receivers is just too good of an opportunity to pass up on in terms of a development standpoint. But regardless, like we said before, there really aren't many bad options with that type of scenario playing out. And you talk about a lack of bad options. This actually works in the Bears' favor because, again, you are going to have a bidding war at the very top of the draft for teams to be able to move up. But then the reality is also this, is that just some preliminary scouting work, this is a much deeper draft compared to, I want to say, the last basically three years. This is probably, in terms of day two and three talent, a draft class that's as good as the 2020 class or I want to say the 2021 class, right? But then ultimately also the other big thing is this, is that you are going to have tons of picks there available on days two and three. And, you know, maybe you end up in a scenario where you say, okay, we got our guys. Now let's go ahead and just continue to beef up the middle of the roster. Because again, depth is such a big issue for this team this year. And let's go ahead and let's add, you know, some second, third, fourth round picks. Just see what we have there. Because we know Ryan Poles loves those mid-round picks and that's quite frankly where 
this team is going to be most aggressive, figuring out, okay, you know, what rookies can we bring in that could be starters for us from day one or just rotational guys that can be, you know, on these incredibly cheap contracts through the end of the 2027-2028 season. Those are ultimately decisions that, again, you know, this team's going to have to make. But if the opportunity is there to add a Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, I just don't see how you don't take that opportunity. Because quite frankly, I mean, as good as DJ Moore is, Marvin Harrison Jr. at the next level is going to be better. Like Marvin is probably the most complete wide receiver prospect since Jamar Chase to come out. But then also you add Marvin Harrison Jr. to this offense. And number one, you can call any type of pass play. Number two, you're getting this player who is going to dominate all over the field. Number three, you're set at wide receiver in the long term. And number four, I mean, add Marvin Harrison Jr. And now all of a sudden, guess what? You have DJ Moore, who is your 1B wide receiver, and Marvin Harrison's your 1A. And Moore is a compliment to MHJ because of their skill sets. Yeah, Marvin Harrison, he's going to be he's going to be a top 15 receiver the minute he steps onto an NFL football field as a rookie. Like I feel so confident about him as a prospect that um I just I just think the world of him is a prospect and um like you said, like the opportunity to pass to pass that up and, and add him to this roster with what they have already. I mean, it's as exciting as it gets. Now, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here because we've seen it's a long season, you know, and just when you think things are going to go well for the Bears, they've shown time and time again that um, things will go wrong. <laughs> you know, when when they can go wrong with this franchise, it seems like at times they will play themselves out of you know top draft position. Um, or the Panthers, maybe they go on go on a run, which is unlikely because that team just looks putrid right now, like way worse than the Bears, which is saying a lot after the first three weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a long season and there are a lot of contenders for, you know, the Caleb Williams watch, as I guess we can call it. Like Miami looks really rough right now. The Giants Giants are like looking really brutal after the season they had last year. I think the Vikings, the Vikings are weird because they're basically the same team as last year, except that all their one score luck just went the entire opposite way this year where they just cannot win close games anymore. And it's just, it's so freaking hilarious that that's the way that the season is turning out for them. Like that is the most Vikings of a Viking season as you can get is what they're, is what they're coming down to. Um, but you look at them in general, they're not a bad team. It's just that like, they just can't get out of their own way. Um, in a lot of key situations. Um, I, I think I mentioned the Patriots already. Like the Patriots look really bad, like really, really bad. The Raiders look really bad. Like the only reason they won um, on Monday night is because Jordan Love just, we talked about him earlier. Jordan Love just can't throw a football accurately to his own team. You can throw it accurately to the other team. You just can't throw it accurately to his own team. It seems like, um, but yeah, there are a lot of bad football teams, so it's definitely gonna be something interesting to monitor throughout the year. But for all of our, all those Bears fans that are already looking forward to next year's draft, like keep an eye on that for sure. And that's something exciting for the Bears fans to look forward to because, yeah, I mean, who knows how many good games we're gonna get out of this team this year? Certainly, Thursday was one of them. Um, by the way, um, you know how how much of a storybook game with it with uh you know Dick Buck is passing that night 
and the Bears going out there and getting a win on the night that Dick Buckus passed. Like, very storybook moment, I feel like. You know, Dick Buckus is somewhere, I'm sure, smiling down from somewhere um, when he saw that, when, when that game happened on Thursday. Um, but, you know, with that said, um, yeah, I mean, it's just something to keep in mind. Um, long season ahead, and we'll see how that ends up playing out because certainly it's something that's going to be very fluid throughout uh, the rest of the year. Um, moving on to a couple of uh, storylines here to keep up with the Bears now that they're preparing for the Vikings game coming up, which is should be a pretty interesting matchup between two one and four teams. The Bears are getting a lot healthier um, as we speak right now, getting some guys back that have been in and out of the lineup. Um, Tevin Jenkins, he got back for the Commanders game. He's on a bit of a rotation uh, with Cody Whitehair and Tyree Carter at that left guard spot. Jenkins, by the way, looked fantastic at left guard. So to me, it's a matter of, you know, how healthy is he and how much of it really comes down to not his health, but is he in game shape really is what it comes down to. So if he's in game shape, you would imagine that he's the guy at left guard. Um, Cody Whitehair is going to be the guy at center because Lucas Patrick's dealing with a concussion right now. Um, but overall, like Tevin Jenkins looked really good. And then in terms of some of the other guys coming off IR, like Kyler Gordon, I think, is expected to come off IR. Um, he's a little bit limited with that hand injury that he's been dealing with. Uh, Jalen Johnson, it sounds like he's going to be back to play uh, this upcoming week. Eddie Jackson, you know, his status is still kind of up in the air. But that secondary getting healthy is kind of is really big, huge, because they haven't been through the early going of the year. And that's really been what's kind of, kind of hurt this defense a little bit knowing how bad this pass rush is. I mean, that secondary getting healthy is going to be so key to this defense kind of continuing to find success. And ultimately, I mean, preseason roster predictions had you and I firmly agreeing that the secondary was without a doubt the strength of the roster. Well, one of the strengths of the roster as well as just the strength of the defense in general. And now, you know, that you've had over the last few weeks, Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, Jaquan Brisker even has been, he hasn't missed extensive amount of time, but he's been in and out of the blue tent during games. And then you also have Kyler Gordon too, who again had the broken hand. And, you know, those guys were limited today in action. And then you look at the offensive side of the ball, Tevin Jenkins being on the rotation due to the injuries that he's accumulated over the last few years. I mean, he's certainly at this point as good as Tevin is. He's also a very injury-prone player. And so now all of a sudden you're finally getting your entire secondary back and healthy, which after the performance this defense had against the Washington Commanders should begin to create some additional momentum. And then the offensive side of the ball, right? The Bears ran the ball really well when Tevin Jenkins was on the field and kind of you talk about a lack of explosive plays from the running game and a lack of consistency. Well, that theoretically, once Tevin gets back into the starting lineup and is not on some sort of rotation, I mean, this team should be ready to go. Yeah, certainly the offensive line getting healthy, especially with Tevin. I mean, that is huge. Like Tevin, he's such a difference maker when he's healthy and on the field. This offensive line just plays so much better when he's out there because of the physicality that he plays with. Um, he looked good in pass protection on uh, on Thursday night as well against a pretty good interior front with uh, Jonathan Allen and uh, De'Aaron Payne. So uh, getting him back is definitely huge, like you said. 
Um, but with that said, like, you know, it seems like there's a give it and taketh with this team because as the offensive line and secondaries are getting healthy, you have injuries elsewhere in the roster. You know, Khalil Herbert, it sounds like he's going to be out with a uh, high ankle sprain uh, for the next couple of weeks here. Um, and then Roshan Johnson is dealing with a concussion at all. So running back, you know, just as the offensive line just starts to get healthy, you say the running back position now is going to be um, down with some injuries. Deontay Forms is going to have to step up after being inactive uh, the past couple of weeks, which should be interesting there to see uh, with him getting some more playing time, you'd assume. Um, but, yeah, that, that certainly does hurt the offense a little, a little bit because Khalil Herbert has been so good to start this season. Khalil Herbert's been a really underrated player for this team. Just a guy that, again, he's not a three-down impact running back. He's not necessarily a bell cow, but the contact balance that he plays with, he does have some burst in the open field. Um, he, he does read the outside zone scheme very well for you know what they want to do in the run game. So that's going to be a pretty significant loss for them. And Roshan Johnson, we know the physicality that he plays with. That's not going to be easy to overcome as well, although you feel like Deontay Foreman can replace some of that production there. From a run game standpoint, we saw that in the Commanders game, though. Like when they had Kerry Blassie game have to be the lead back for them in the fourth quarter, like it was generally, genuinely like hilarious to watch Kerry Blassie game carry the football. Like, yeah, man, I'm sorry, man, but that's like, that's not your job. You're, you're there for blocking, buddy. <laughs> it's just uh, not quite your thing to be the, the main ball carrier there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to feel excited about the way the direction of this team is going from a health standpoint. And you know, with them having this mini buy, it's certainly been a good time for them to get healthy and kind of recalibrate a couple of things, right? Because it, it has not been an easy start this year for them. They've had guys in and out of the lineup all year long. You got to imagine that that has had an impact on the way that this team has played as well, especially in some of the key areas like that we've kind of been alluding to all season long. And now we're going to start to see in these next few weeks here, this team is going to be relatively healthy compared to, you know, the guys that we expected to be on the field for them. The starting lineup are going to be on the field for them. How is this going to team look in a, in a, in a point of the schedule where things are going to be a little bit easier for them, right? You got the Vikings coming up who we talked about before. They're still a talented team, but they just can't seem to buy a win out there this year um, with how their luck is going. And then you got the Raiders coming up, who are definitely not a good team. It's basically Max Crosby, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Josh Jacobs, and a bunch of nothing on that team um, from what we've seen so far in the early going of the year. Josh McDaniels still is – gosh, I can't believe that guy still has a head coaching job um, for the second time here. Um, and then you got the Chargers coming up, who the Chargers are on paper a much better team, but we know the Chargers – there's always they're kind of like the Vikings, right? Where there's always something going wrong with it with the Chargers um, in the end of a close game. So definitely a schedule to where you feel like they can get back in the swing of things here if things continue to progress. And that kind of takes us to this upcoming game against the Vikings, where the Bears can be back at home. Um, you would think that Soldier Field's going to be loud and um, have a lot of energy to it, especially after you know what happened in this last game on, on Thursday Night Football, coming off a win. You know, here's the thing. Eberflus so far in his tenure as a Bears head coach has not had back-to-back wins. So they've gotten wins before. They haven't been able to sustain that. So going into this matchup, you say, do you think they're going to be able to sustain their momentum against the Vikings? Or do you think that this is a game that they end up losing here coming up? 
quite frankly, there is a part of me that says, yes, they're going to sustain that momentum. And here's why. Because you look at this game, and it's going to come down to what the Bears offense does against the Vikings defense that, again, has lost some talent, but is still playing much faster and more free compared to last year. Now, if I'm going to be honest, I mean, the Vikings Achilles heels is that offense. Jordan Addison, the rookie receiver, first round pick, as well as tight end TJ Hawkinson. I mean, those are your primary two targets in the passing game, but they have not had the same impact that combined that Justin Jefferson has had, right? For Kirk Cousins, like, Jefferson is that security blanket that the Vikings offense without the passing attack is going to look to likely take a step back. You talk about the Vikings defense, and yes, they're playing more fast and free, but they're kind of still getting used to the Brian Flores way of playing football, which I actually really like the Brian Flores hire when it was made last winter. But then again, what it comes down to is, you know, what is this Vikings offense going to do? And the issue really this year has been the inability of the Vikings offense to continue to move the ball. This Bears defense, after that big win on Thursday night, I would definitely say they are playing with a massive chip on their shoulder. And they have a legit chance to come out and help the Bears get their second win of the season. Yeah, this is going to be a very fascinating one to look at. I mean, the big story here is uh, Justin Jefferson out for this game just as the Bears are getting healthy in the secondary. So what kind of impact is going to be made there? Now, Iberflus and his presser did make an interesting quote where he said that, you know, with Justin Jefferson being out of the lineup, now we can run more basic coverages. And it's like, uh, Matt, are you sure about that? Are you sure you want to run more basic coverages? Because that's kind of been the problem with this defense in the early going of the season. has been the fact that they run too many basic Tampa two coverages. Uh, but joking aside, like, uh, like you said, like, yeah, Justin Jefferson out definitely hurts the Vikings offense quite a bit. You know, that's been a guy that, that Kirk Cousins has been able to rely on, uh, for year, for a few years now. And that connection has just been really special, especially over the past couple of years, uh, between those two. But here's the thing, though. Um, even though the Bears' defense played better against Washington, I still have some significant questions about this group. Um, putting it all together over the course of a four-quarters game, they still have too many instances where the pass rush just isn't getting after the quarterback consistently. They're not winning one-on-one matchups. The Vikings, to their credit, have a very good offensive line. They should be able to control the game in the trenches there. And it's not like Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson's like, he, like guys that like you mentioned. It's not like those guys can't play. Those guys are definitely viable receiving threats for Kirk Cousins to throw the ball to. So I do think the Bears are going to have struggles, you know, stopping this Vikings offense. Um, it's just the nature of the way this kind of works for them. Now, on the other side of the ball, what the Bears can do against this Vikings defense is going to be very fascinating because Brian Flores, like you said, um, he's one of the better defensive coordinators in all football. I think he's done a great job of elevating this Vikings defense that doesn't have a ton of talent. They don't really have much of a pass rush right now, um, even though that Brian Flores does love to blitz quite a bit. And so that's kind of the things that I'm looking kind of forward to seeing is that, you know, with Brian Flores being ag- as aggressive as he is, how is this Bears offense going to respond to that, right? We've seen this coaching staff in the past. They have a tendency to kind of when the other team is going to, you know, throw haymakers at them, they kind of play more conservatively. Um, you know, they kind of play things close to the vest in those situations. 
you know, does Luke Getzey kind of regress as a play caller and go back to calling a lot of screens and stuff like that, right? And a lot of short passes that don't kind of play to Justin Fields' strengths as a downfield passer. How is Justin Fields adjust to the fact that he's going to have more pressure on him because they're going to be blitzing a lot more and playing more, um, you know, complicated, complex coverages that he's used to seeing uh, from a lot of defenses there. So there's a lot of moving parts to this thing. You know, if the Bears do have any advantages that, the Vikings secondary is not a very talented unit. And if they're going to run a lot of man coverage, you would assume that DJ Moore is going to be eating all day long against this Vikings defense because that is the one area where they are very weak right now is that they just don't have anybody that can cover number one wide receivers like that. So that's where I'm kind of at. It's kind of a tough thing to say. Let's get your official prediction in there. You said who's your X factor and what's the score do you think? I'm going to go ahead and say that the X factor is Matt Eberflus. When you say, hey, we can get back to running more basic coverages, that is, quite frankly, should be interpreted as a very troubling statement. But I do think the Bears' offense, the production is there. It's legit. You have a struggling Minnesota secondary like you just mentioned. To me, that signals another big day from number one and number two fields in DJ Moore. I'm going to go ahead and say that the Bears win this one 24-17. Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite way for this one. I'm going to take the Vikings 27-24. to You know, I think I may still need another couple weeks of this Bears offense before I really start to buy in on this offense as a as a you know strong consistent unit going forward i think the vikings offer a little bit more of a challenge i do think there are going to have some success in this game based off of the matchup that i mentioned but ultimately i just i just don't see this bears defense even with no justin jefferson i still don't see this bears defense stopping the vikings offense consistently kirk cousins he's going to know how to deal with the occasional blitzes and, and different wrinkles that Eberflus is going to throw out there he's an experienced quarterback so he knows what he's looking at um, I think he's going to find ways to just slice and dice this really soft Bears zone coverages that they like to run consistently over and over again. Um, even with a healthy secondary, you know, there's not much a secondary can do when they're sitting back in soft zone coverages and they're not allowed to play to their strengths um, as man coverage guys. And unfortunately, I haven't seen enough from this coaching staff to where I feel confident in them making that adjustment on that side of the ball. Now, offensively, like I said, they are going to have. Um, I think they are going to have um, more success here. For me, the X factor is going to be Darnell Mooney in this one because I think the Vikings, Brian Flores, I think he's too smart of a defensive coordinator not to throw extra attention towards DJ Moore, and that's going to free up more opportunities for Darnell Mooney in this matchup to make plays. So can he do that? You know, He's had some inconsistencies this year. He's still coming back from that injury, still getting back to 100%. Um, he's going to have to show – more signs of being that 1,000-yard receiver Darnell Mooney in this matchup here if the Bears can come out of here with a win because certainly the Vikings, Brian Flores, he's going to throw everything he can at Justin Fields, and he's going to make it as difficult as possible for him uh, from a passing standpoint as he can. So, yeah, that's the matchup here. But that was a lot that we covered today, you said. Um, certainly looking forward to this upcoming matchup. And really, it's one of those games to where I think it could determine a lot for the future of the season. I know we've said that before. But every game is a big game in a 17-game season. Everything is going to be under the microscope. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to come to go out to Soldier Field and, and watch this game. Um, so we're going to end it here. Uh, for all of our listeners out there, make sure to follow us on all um, platforms here for us. Make sure to like, rate, subscribe to us on Spotify, 
And uh, make sure to follow us on social media as well, at Pixel Polls on Twitter. Make sure to follow the Bear Report as well, at Bear Report on Twitter. You say, where can our listeners find you on social media? Where can they find your work? Yeah, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report as well. I've got articles dropping multiple times a week on there. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. You can find my work on the bear report as well. Make sure to check out my track in the trenches series, which uh, has been a lot of fun to put together over these over the past month or so uh, in the early going of the season. Uh, but until next time, bears fans, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot to talk about next week uh, with this game coming up. So we see you guys have yourself a great rest of your weekend and bear down. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.